It's time for the Savvy Realtor Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole, the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty, serving you throughout the triangle, teaching you about the ins and outs when it comes to buying or selling a home. You can find the team online by going to acolerealty.com. That's A-C-O-L-E, realty.com, or by calling 919-578-3128. That's 919-578-3128. And now it's time for one of the top realtors in the triangle, Angie Cole, and the Savvy Realtor Podcast. On the show today, Angie, I want to make sure that we're covering from time to time some important real estate terms that, uh, you know, kind of just help us learn more about the buying and selling process. And I once Googled or, or looked up a, a web page with, you know, real estate terms, and I think it was like, you know, 2,000 terms. I mean, there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of lingo in the business, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of uh, acronyms, too. Oh, know. acronyms. Yeah, we could do we a whole to, show on acronyms. Uh, we right? have to be so careful about, you know, very quickly saying our real estate lingo that's a great point. Yeah, we don't we won't get into the the lingo that's so deep that you know you you probably will never hear that lingo nah, in your nah, life. No but need to d- go there. Right. We do want to cover some of the buzzwords and some of the terms that will actually impact you when you go to buy or sell your home, uh, because these things are important to understand at least at the base level, so that you're familiar with them when they pop up. So by no means can we cover all of that ground in just a couple of minutes of conversation, but I've cherry picked a few to cover on today's show, Angie. So. Let's start off with uh, an appraisal. What is an appraisal and how is that part of the buying and selling process? Yeah, so an appraisal, first of all, is going to give us an idea of what the home is worth. And that is based on the opinion of an appraiser. But an appraiser, goodness, I think, and don't quote me if I'm wrong, I think they have to have like 200 hours of uh, shadowing another appraiser. It's not an easy license to receive. Honestly, there's a lot more hours that go behind it versus being a real estate agent. So, But an appraisal is required whenever you're obtaining financing. So if you are a cash purchase, it's up to you if you want to pay for kind of a third-party appraisal. Oftentimes, I see if it's a cash deal or transaction, the buyer is not you know, investing more monies into obtaining an appraisal. But if you are getting financing, it is a requirement for you to pay for an appraisal. The buyer is paying for this. The lender will order it. It's really a third-party opinion of what the home is worth. And the reason why an appraisal is conducted is to make sure that the lender is not taking on a home that is honestly overvalued. Because when a lender takes on a loan, uh, there is a lot of risk that go along with financing a home and lending that money to a buyer. So the lender needs to be reassured that the money they're lending out, the home is worth that should the buyer default. And that's really where you see the problems with appraisals pop up, right? If, if those two numbers don't uh, match up. Yeah. Many times, you know, we can list a home and then it's going, uh, there's multiple offers. And very quickly, you know, we had that conversation. Say I'm the listing agent. I had that conversation with the buying agents on the other side. And I say, hey, is your buyer prepared to make up the difference? Should the home not appraise? Because I can bet you it's not appraising, right? Because we listed it where it should be based on comparables. And so, by the way, when looking at comparables, we do exactly what an appraiser would do. The appraiser is going to, first of all, start off in the neighborhood if possible. If they need to, they'll start to go a little bit outside of the neighborhood. But they need to look at similar area 
similar square footage, similar style. Also, they try to look at similar age and they never go past a year in closed sales. So, you know, although we want to make the purchase price make ends meet, they can't pull a random home from 10 miles away that closed two years ago. That's not how appraisals work, but there can a lot of times there are issues that pop up when it comes time for the appraisal. You know, sometimes we're expecting there to be appraisal issues and the appraisal comes in low. Other times we're not expecting it. And I just had one of those recently where both myself as a listing agent and the buying agent, we were in shock when an appraisal came in a little low, just based on the comparables that we use. But, you know, we have to remember that, again, it is a third party and them giving their opinion based on, you know, information, but we might not always see eye to eye. So then when something like that happens, you know, the price can be renegotiated. Maybe the seller has to drop the price down to appraisal value. Maybe the buyer has to come up with the difference. There's different ways to handle that. But, you know, that can, you know, throw a little little wrench in uh, the transaction from time to time. Yeah. And it can work the other way, too, where we um, you, you get pleasantly surprised. I remember when we sold our house in Durham, we had talked uh, with you and Lowry. And there was just a small concern because of how far above list price we had we had jumped that it might not appraise, but then it did. And so we were all, you know, pleasantly surprised sometimes too, right? Yeah. That yeah. Ne- never, never hurts to have the surprise go that direction. <laughs> so, but all, you wouldn't say tons of problems with appraisals, but it's just, it's an issue that's out there that has yeah. to be navigated around sometimes. Yeah. It's not, it's not like we run into these issues every other day, but you know, I would say probably one in 10, one in 15, we, we have a little bit of a hiccup with appraisals. So it's not uncommon. Not uncommon. Especially in, in such a strong market like we're in here in the Triangle, where the values are just continue to appreciate. You know, you have to have other homes that have recently sold that justify that price. So that's where you you run into those hiccups. Usually the, the homes that are setting the new pricing trend might be the ones that struggle with that issue compared to ones yes. that follow after. Yes, yes. Okay. Cool. All right. So there you have it, the skinny on appraisals. What about, uh, let's talk about the mortgage world for a moment. There's adjustable rate mortgages, ARMS, ARMS. You talked about those acronyms, ARMS. And then we have fixed mortgages. Some folks may know the difference already between the two, but uh, what's the big difference between the two in the real estate world? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing when you have a fixed mortgage, your interest rate is your interest rate. It will not fluctuate. So you are pretty much in the sense in a contract and the whether the interest rate is 3.75, 3.75 will be for the life of the loan. Where if it's an ARM, an adjustable rate mortgage, that means that currently you have a fixed rate, but maybe it's a five-year, a seven-year, 10-year ARM. Whenever it's time for that to be revisited, your interest rate can change. And it's based on where the current market is in that moment. So uh, maybe it could be for the better. Maybe it could be for the worse. But, you know, an arm is definitely riskier versus a fixed rate. But you have to look at all sides of it. You know, I see oftentimes where someone goes to buy a home and they know that they will be moving in the next three to five years. They're buying this home for short-term investment. And with an adjustable rate mortgage, they can actually get a better interest rate. So maybe it's in their best interest to do an arm and they get a lower interest rate knowing they're selling the home anyways before that five years is up. So it really depends on your specific situation. There's not one way that's better versus the other. It really depends on, you know, your financial situation, how long you plan on being in that home. And really, you know, speaking with a, you know, mortgage broker, a lender about that is the way to go. What would you say is most typical for your clients, the fixed? 
I would say effects. Yeah, I would say effects. But, you know, an arm has really helped some people to get into a home that, you know, otherwise couldn't. You know, so there's a lot of great programs out there that can be tweaked around your specific situation. Okay, very good. Adjustable rate versus fixed rate mortgages. Good to know those elements. By the way, again, if you want to pick up that mortgage app on your phone where you can learn more about mortgages and lending uh, and that side of the equation, you can text the word lending to the number 555-888. And we'll text you a link to download a local mortgage app that lets you get pre-qualified and find out more information about that entire process. Just text the word lending to the number 555-888. All right, closing costs, Angie. What all goes into closing costs? How much can we expect to pay in that part of the buying process? Yeah, so, okay, so closing costs, first of all, a lot of things, right? So if you're getting financing, typically there's going to be, you know, a fee that is charged from your mortgage lender. You're going to have a closing attorney fee. You can have other things like inspection costs, survey, any of your prorations. So for example, prorated taxes, prorated insurance, title insurance, maybe prorated HOA dues. So on average or kind of the norm, they typically say around 3%. But as you go up in price point, it's not necessarily always 3%. So you're buying a million dollar home. I'm not saying that your closing cost will be 30000 okay? But that's where your lender should step in and be able to be, give you a good faith estimate, showing you the breakdown of what you can expect for closing costs. So yes, there's a lot of things that go into your closing costs and, and that make up that. And remember, the big thing to remember, and we see this uh, issue from time to time, especially when it's a first purchase, a first-time home buyer, your closing cost is different from your down payment, okay? So if you need to put a down payment in order to qualify for a home, that is separate from your closing cost. So make sure you're well aware of the total amount that you need to bring to the closing table. No, that's a great point, Angie. And um, good to know that some closing costs go up proportionately with the home price, others do not. And that's why it's, it's not quite an easy percentage to give because it does vary with the different prices of the home and that kind of thing. But gives us a good bracket to be aware of. What about the word as is? Another important term. I feel like that's a bad word in the real estate world. You know, um, first of all, we need to remember that the North Carolina real estate contract states that all homes are being sold as is. Okay, so it is understood that this is a buyer beware state and you are going into that home and the seller does not have to agree or fix anything. But there typically is an understanding in our market that buyer and seller will be reasonable when it comes to negotiation of repairs. But if you see on an MLS and it's public remarks or in the agent only remarks that your agent should be sharing with you, and it states home is being sold as is, if you see those words, you really, really, really need to be aware. Um, Because typically, well, what that really means is the seller's making you aware that, okay, you go under contract this on this home, they are not fixing anything. And so make sure, make sure, make sure that you almost do your due diligence up front even before you make an offer on that home and be prepared for what you're about to encounter. Typically, I see when a home is being marketed, marketed as is, it means that we're expecting for the inspection report probably to be nasty. Okay, and I feel like that was just a Hornet County word. I said nasty, but uh, we're expecting for that inspection report to be just a messy one, probably pretty lengthy. And so we're asking you to make your offer based on the understanding that, hey, 
it's probably going to be, you know, a mess of an inspection report, but we are letting you know we're not fixing anything. So do not come back to us after the point and try to renegotiate. I like that. A nasty home report. Nasty. I know. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those fifty pagers. That's gonna be a Harnett County nasty home uh-huh, report. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Too funny. All right, so there you have it. As is another good one to just be aware of, and uh, that's a good to know. That's a little trivia there, though, Angie. That all contracts actually are technically as is contracts, or at least at the outset, it, with just that underlying understanding that there's going to be some negotiating that goes on. But interesting little tidbit there. All right, Angie, last uh, term, at least for now, uh, days on market. What is that, first of all? And then why is it helpful as a buyer to know the days on market for a home? Yeah. So first of all, we have two types of, I guess, days on markets. We have days on market, DOM, and then we have CDOM, which is which is cumulative days on the market. Okay. okay. So days on the market will restart anytime a home is relisted, whether it be with a new agent, with the same agent, but anytime you have a new listing agreement, so then it must be a new MLS number, days on the market go back to zero. But cumulative days on the market will keep clicking. Okay, the clock keeps going unless you've been off the market for a total of 31 days. So say, for example, a home's listed with one agent. I then take over the listing. My days on the market go back to zero. But if I'm only relisting the home five days later, my cumulative days is at five. And then it starts going up from there. So, you know, it's important for a buyer to be aware of how many days on the market a home is sitting there. Because, for example, if it's been on the market for one day, and your client or the buyer is ready to make an offer, you can probably assume that the seller's not going to be as negotiable and you probably need to act fast. Well, what if there's a home that's been on the market for 200 days? You know, that might be a red flag as to, is there something wrong with this home? Is it overpriced? You know, what are the factors leading to the higher days on the market? So um, just things to you know, be thinking of and looking into a little bit deeper, asking those questions. You know, you can, as a buyer, you can ask your buying agent, hey, can you ask a listing agent, you know, why is this home on the market? Why hasn't it sold? You know, has it just been bad luck? Maybe they went under contract several times only for the buyers to back out for no reasons. You know, just kind of what's happening with the history of this home. And so on the flip side, then when it comes to sellers, it is just wonderful to make sure that you are working with an agent who does have low days in the market. And that should be kind of twofold because they have a great marketing plan. Now, you don't want to work with a listing agent who has low days in the market because they are devaluing your home. You know, they, they are going in with a very low list price in order to get it sold quickly. So just make sure that you are asking numbers, ask them average days on the market. What is your list versus your sales price? You know, how many homes have you sold? Uh, really, you know, do your due diligence as a seller to make sure that you are choosing the right agent who not only can sell homes quick because they have an amazing marketing plan in place, but also are getting you top value as well. If I can, can I give you a second to, to brag a little bit? What, what's the sure. average days on market for our area right now compared to what your team's doing? Sure, sure. Um, I, I haven't pulled them just recently, but I did for 2019 when we came to an end. And in 2019 for the Triangle MLS, uh, the average agent in the Triangle was at 27 days and our team was at 18 Okay. And those numbers might seem a little high, but you just have to remember there's some homes that fly off the market in a day. And then there are others that 
or you know just they're going to take longer of course but we we are better than the rest and then as far as list versus sales price we're at 99.9 and again you know that can be I mean that's a great list versus sales price but you know oftentimes we have homes that sell above asking price and other ones that we negotiate a little bit you know but overall across the board we have an amazing marketing plan in place and that's something that I share freely when we go on listing presentations and we just do above and beyond really the average agent. You've been listening to the Savvy Realtor podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole. She's the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty here in the Triangle. And if you have questions for Angie, we invite you to go online to acolerealty.com. Listen to past podcast episodes on the website, read the blog and all the great information, including the option to find a home right there on the website. That's acolerealty.com. And you can also call Angie with your questions, 919-578-3128. 